This week on Banter on the Parkway, I insult Brad again. Joel analyzes basketball while apparently saving a small child from a well, and we discuss a game that put my marriage to a Columbia, Missouri native on the rocks as we take a look at Xavier versus Missouri and the happenings in the larger world of college basketball. That's coming up next. Hello and welcome to episode number three of Banter on the Parkway. Your host, Brian from BannersOnTheParkway.com. And joining me as always will be the man who you would mistake for an Ewok if he had any hair whatsoever, Brad. How you doing, Brad? I'm really glad that this is the turn we've decided to take with our intros. So we've now covered that I'm short and bald, so good. Gotta give the people what they want, Brad, and what they want is me disrespecting you. It's what I want, and I'm a person. I count. So, Brad is here with us, also the man you know, you love, and you possibly watched engage on Twitter with some moron who thinks the AAC is better than the Big East last night. It's Joel. Joel, how you doing today? I'm doing great. I've just been walking around getting stuff off the top shelf all day. It's been a blast. I'd also like to throw out there that I don't know why Brad's feelings are hurt. We wished him a happy birthday last time. We, we did, did wish this. him a happy birthday. Another happy birthday, by the way, Brad. Um, obviously, it was last Thursday, but it's never too late to, to wish Brad a happy birthday. So if you're listening to this and you haven't had a chance to do that yet, go ahead and hit us up on Twitter and just, um, again, make a production of it. He loves that. So um, obviously, the big uh, story for Xavier Nation right now will be last night's game. Xavier outlasted Missouri uh, in a pretty brutal rock fight of a game, 63 to 58 in overtime. So we are going to get some uh, quick recap of that um, as well as some general thoughts on the game. So we'll start with you, Brad. What did you think was a positive about that game last night other than that it ended? Um, Yeah, boy, that was – if you've ever had one of those days where – you were just really looking forward to something in the evening after having a pretty bad day. Yesterday was that for me. And then I got about halfway through that game and wished I hadn't been looking forward to it either. Um, I thought one of the positives that jumped out to me was Paul Scruggs finally realizing that the three pointers weren't going, let alone for him, but for anybody and taking the ball to the rim late in the game. I thought he and Carter really changed the game by attacking and making Missouri defend against penetration rather than passes into the post. Um, once he did that, you know, kind of dragged Xavier back into the game, um, when things were looking, frankly, pretty grim with five minutes to go, our, our win probability had dropped to 21.7 and at one point in time was down all the way down to 17.4%. So, I mean, it was just bad. So much bad three-point shooting. The but I thought the positive was Scruggs, maybe more than anybody else, even on the coaching staff, realizing, hey, we got to put this thing on the deck and get to the rim. And he did that and was successful. And in my mind, he and Jason Carter are the people you can look at that dragged that win out. Yeah. Um, Scruggs, of course, went scoreless in the first half, and you wondered how much his knee might still be bothering him. But he ended up five of six from inside the arc. 
Um, his 0 of 5 from 3 probably is going to drag his overall shooting line down. But 5 of 6 from inside the arc knocked down his only two free throws of the night. And, uh, yeah, he did really change the game when, when he started putting the ball on the floor. And Missouri's guards, um, for as quick as they were, really looked uncomfortable trying to defend him, uh, especially Mark Smith, who who he had a couple of inches on. Uh, it seemed like, although Mark Smith lasted at 6'5", but uh, Scruggs was able to get him in the lane and, and really uh, get some good looks there. So, and, and, I mean, I was listed at 5'11 on a couple of – programs in basketball what? so i mean <laughs> <laughs> we all do a little bit of height touching <laughs> wow goodness sake i guess i, I don't know surgery laws when it comes to um, publishing game programs huh <laughs> so anyway um so joel what what did you see to pick out as as something positive for xavier there well there's a couple things first of all one guy who's contribution really can't be overstated as Conzo Martin. He neutralized Jeremiah Tillman pretty much on his own when nobody else could do it. <clears throat> Tillman, of course, picked up two quick fouls and Martin pretty much played it straight by the book and benched him for the entire first half. Then Tillman got his third foul and early in the second half and Martin benched him again for the bulk of the game after that. Uh, Tillman ended up playing 23 minutes. He was the only uh, one of two players on the floor who played more than 20 minutes and had an O rating over 100. Xavier really didn't have any way to stop him, but uh, he ended regulation with three fouls. So Martin left two fouls and a lot of minutes, a lot of productivity on the bench at a time when one point makes the difference between a win and a loss in the first 40 minutes. Part of the reason for that was the defense Missouri's defense isn't a positive for me, but Xavier's sure was. 58 points in 80 possessions. That's going to win you a lot of ball games. If you play at Virginia's pace, that's going to win you two ball games. But uh, less than three quarters of a point per possession for Missouri. They were six of 25 from three. Xavier did a good job of not giving them too many clean looks at the arc, and they hit a couple, couple tough threes. And Xavier forced 20 turnovers. So uh, the offense was still a work in progress. The game was very ugly to watch, but Xavier's defense seems to have picked up right where it left off last year, which is what we were hoping it would do, and that's going to be a, a great stepping stone in their first real test. And just to contrast your point about Tillman, um, Xavier had a couple of guys in foul trouble as well in Scruggs and Carter, but uh, Steele was able to kind of creatively use them to get good minutes out of them down the stretch. Scruggs ended up fouling out with four and 40 minutes Carter picked up four fouls in 38 minutes so when you look at that uh both teams were faced with foul trouble uh and, and Steele was able to kind of get creative with how uh he put his lineup on the floor to still get production out of two guys who really changed the game for Xavier despite being in foul trouble and you wonder if if Tillman had been out there if it might have been a different story so and I think the fact that Scruggs uh fouled out is a win for Xavier because that means they got every last minute they could out of his five fouls. Missouri can't say the same for Tillman, and uh, Scruggs was a big part of winning the game for X, and Tillman watching was a big part of Missouri's loss. Uh, this is, I mean, to keep talking about Scruggs, this is the second year in a row where we've played Missouri and looked, I mean, really bad. And Paul Scruggs in last year's game, which 
I would just as soon forget about, and this year's has been the one guy who um, the dude's just a dog. I think is the only way you can put it. He does not like. I mean, this is such a cliche thing to say, but he doesn't like losing games. Nobody likes to, but when it starts to look like Xavier's going to, he digs in even a little bit harder. I mean, that, he was all effort again last night after being, you know, that game that Brian was forced to watch in person last year out in Missouri. There were large swaths of it where Scruggs looked like he was the only one who cared. And, and he definitely cared again last night. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when you're talking about positives, it was a really close run game. And one thing that Xavier struggled with in their first two games um, was free throw shooting. And last night, 20 of 27, that's good for 74%. Um, that That is a good mark. You know, it's probably not quite where Coach Steele wants it still yet, but it was enough to, to keep Xavier in the game without leaving many points at the line that, that really could have cost them down toward the end. And I think Najee Marshall was another positive in last night's game. Obviously not a lot was going for him in around the rim. He was only three of 10 from inside the arc and he got a couple of pretty hateful bounces uh, when he would get into the lane, but he ended up with 17 points, eight boards, three assists. And uh, of course hit that huge game tying three from the top of the key to, to send the game to overtime. Uh, But the way that he was able to, uh, find ways to, to keep Xavier going, to keep Xavier in the game, even when um, it really wasn't coming easily for him, especially around the basket. I thought it was a huge part of, of Xavier coming away with the win. He was on the team actually to notch multiple assists last night, which can probably segue oh <laughs> into our negatives. So Brad, you're a naturally pessimistic person. What, what did you pick out as negative last night? I mean, I, <laughs> If there were any, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that three of 21 from behind the arc is a negative. Uh, Debatable. You know, the Siena game, they were six of 19, and we were like, hey, maybe that's a step in the right direction after the opening four of 23 against Jacksonville. But last night was the first game against a good team, really. Um, and we talked about a little bit last week. We talked about in our preview. I mentioned in the dispatches, Missouri plays vicious interior defense. They did it again last night. We were content a lot of times to take dribble into three-pointers or swing the ball one time and take a three-pointer. And we just took some bad shots that, I mean, if they'd been rewarded with makes, wouldn't have necessarily made them good shots, but they weren't. Scruggs was 0 for 5. Carter was 0 for 4. Uh, Q only shot once and he missed it. Da Bishop was 0 for 2. Uh, Najee Marshall 2 for 6 is probably actually a number you can live with. And of course, he knocked down that big one. But I mean, I posited last weekend that a team with a really great interior offense can win, uh, even shooting threes badly. I don't think that you can consistently win shooting three of 21 from behind the arc, regardless of how good your interior offense is. Some has got to change here. And the one thing that I think what's tough about last night is a lot of the looks that they got. I mean, there were some dribble into threes. Or there were a couple times somebody brought the ball down and there were no passes before a three pointer went up. But a lot of the shots they got were really good looks, you know, and part of that was Missouri 
emphasized, um, you know, getting inside and uh, getting good position on Jones and Fremantle. But I mean, both of Bishop's looks were, were clean looks that you want him to take. Uh, and he just couldn't get him to go, you know? So part of it was, I mean, missing open looks is, I guess, sometimes more troubling than just saying, Oh, the, the shot selection needs to get better. They, they need to start making open shots and that's sometimes tougher to, to address, I think. Well, that's what I picked out as a negative is that they stood there and watched us shoot threes. They clearly decided that this game was going to be contested from about 12 feet and in on their defensive end. And anything we wanted to do outside of that was just up to Xavier. Like you said, Bishop had clean looks. Carter had clean looks. Guys took shots they need to knock down and didn't knock them down. <clears throat> For us to, to shoot that many threes and have that many good looks, it's because they were they were packing it in, especially around uh, Tyreek and Jason Carter. They combined to go six of sixteen from inside the arc, which uh, when we're shooting that poorly from three, is not going to help us at all. You know, they decided that we would we would have to beat their strength inside by packing it in, and by and large, we couldn't do that. I will say. Uh, Kudos to my large adult son, Zach Fremantle, who went two of four from inside the arc. Continues to look good from the free throw line. Hang on a second. Are you adopting Zach Fremantle and leaving Q now? First of all, my heart is big enough for all my large adult sons. Second of all, Zach Fremantle has just stepped into an additional role. Usually when, when one of my sons graduates, I'm kind of left lonesome until until I can pick a new one. Fremantle has stepped in a year early, so Q's kind of nurturing him in the role of sonship before Q moves on and Zach can step up to the number one spot. Anyway. Just, you're really aware how like weird this sounds, right? No, I don't understand the question. Okay, I think yeah. it'd be weird if I wasn't doing this. <laughs> okay. Let's do it. Yeah, Zach Fremantle, two of four, gets in the right spots, converts free throws. What's not to love? What's not to adopt? Your cold, dark cinder of a heart might consider it sometime. But he was, uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of him. But the bottom line is Missouri was keying on the post. They uh, dumped a lot of guys in there, crowded the lane, didn't give our guys room to bounce the ball. And they were content to watch us shoot jumpers, and we were content to shoot them and miss them. Okay. Um, the one the one negative I was able to pick out uh, <laughs> one uh, was the the amount of turnovers Xavier. Um, yeah, Xavier produced last night. Uh, they had sixteen as a team. Um, they turned it over on 20% of their possessions. That's above their, their season average. And in a game where the shots aren't falling, um, a way to combat that when your offense isn't being that efficient is to take care of the ball. And uh, Xavier did not do a, a good job of that for large stretches of the game last night. There was one point in the first half when Missouri was trying to come back into the game. Xavier turned it over three possessions in a row. And, and so that was um, something that, you know, caught my eye is going forward. 
I'm still of the opinion this team is not going to shoot 14% every night from three, um, that some of those are going to start falling. Um, but the way you take care of the ball is the way you take care of the ball. You know, you don't get bad bounces that lead to you chucking the ball to no one in particular. You, you just chuck it to no one in particular. So I think that's something that can be cleaned up moving forward, um, especially with, um, you know, Missouri State coming up, who's, who's maybe not – you know, one of the stronger defensive teams Xavier's going to play this year, but certainly will take advantage of any opportunities Xavier gives them. Uh, so what, as we dig a little more into the box score, do we see um, from last night's game that, that maybe at first glance um, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't guess? Well, I wouldn't look too hard at the, the rebounding margin, especially since there were plenty of rebounds to be had, but the rebounding percentages were good. Xavier got... 81% on the defensive end, 20% on the offensive end. Beat Missouri on both ends of the glass. When you're getting uh, crushed inside like X was, to still be able to defend the glass is pretty impressive. 34.4% of our attempts came from behind the arc. When you're not shooting very well from behind the arc, to shoot a lot of them isn't good. But uh, our, that's right about our season average, which is 42 which is only 224th in the nation. So it seems like we're chucking a lot of threes because they're not going in right now. But the reality is Xavier is one of the more disciplined teams uh, from behind the arc in the country, at least at this point in time in the season. Obviously, the 30% assist rate is garbage. Six assists on 20 made buckets, only one player with more than one assist. You know, that's hard to account for. Actually, it's not. We dribbled into a lot of shots. We weren't moving the ball. We were confused by the fact that they wouldn't let us pass to our post guys on the post, and we never really adjusted to that. The defense, 10 kills, even in an overtime game, that's impressive. A little bit of foreshadowing here. Xavier talks about seven kills equals a 98% chance to win a game. I think that's a stat that's going to come into question this year, not just for Xavier, around the, but around the country. So uh, we'll look at that just a, a minute later here. But even on turnover or on possessions where Missouri didn't turn the ball over, they averaged less than a point per possession. So Xavier generated a lot of turnovers, which is great, but a little uncharacteristic. But even when they weren't, they were doing an incredible job of defending. Okay. Um, obviously, a large part of that was the amount of barking that the fans did. Um, right. So, yeah, clearly. I mean, I, I don't, that is one of the strangest Twitter spats I've ever seen between non-barking and barking Xavier fandom. But, you know, people like what they like, I guess. Um, but Brad, did this game change your opinion uh, of what you think of this Xavier team? Uh, a little bit. Um, but I'll start out with, the positives um last year we saw them capitulate sometimes when they got into tough games it felt like maybe the effort wasn't there or they got a little discouraged by how things were going and would just kind of ease themselves into the loss that didn't happen last night uh, that game was dog ugly to watch but they fought and fought and fought and fought and fought until they finally came away with a win and, you know, it's going to say 3-0 next to the team. Uh, now there's not some sort of qualifier for how pretty it was. So that was good to see. It, I'm starting to be concerned 
about the three-point shooting on an entire season-long level and what that's going to mean because this was our first test against a decent, not fair, a very good interior defense against Missouri, and we couldn't get it done. And to win with a really low three-point shooting percentage, you have to be elite inside. Uh, you know, there was those numbers from the article last week. You've essentially got to finish in the top 25 in the nation, converting near the rim. And we didn't do anything close to that last night. I mean, Tyreek Jones was two for 10. Najee was three for 10. Uh, that's not going to get the job done. If we can't come up with something, um, you know, I saw, man, I can't remember who it was at the moment on one of those pregame shows I was watching had Xavier as a final 14. If three-pointers go, this team can go a long way, but shooting the way that they are now, you wonder. I mean, they're primed to be four, five, six seed that falls victim to a cold game and a hot opponent, and you're looking at the Saturday-Sunday games there in the first weekend and wondering who you're going to kind of cheer for now while you finish crying into your coffee. Uh, did it change anything you guys thought? I mean, did, are you willing to shake this off as a one-off? I mean, it's it's a three-off as far as the three-point shooting goes <laughs> because it's not been good in any of the games. I do think, though, I mean, they had good looks, and I have to believe Paul Scruggs getting the looks he, he got last night, he's not going to miss five threes every night. You know, He's not going to go over five every night getting those looks in. I mean, you give him those five looks again, and I have confidence he knocks at least a couple of them down. Um, it was just a really bad shooting night that combined with um, a night when Missouri, obviously, is a really good interior defensive team. And the offense, yeah, I mean, it looked really bad, but I think that there is reason to believe that they can pull out of this and that the three-point shooting will come around. Maybe not to like, you know, the level it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> You're not going to have like Trey and JP dropping bombs out there, but I think it will become serviceable to a point where teams can't do what Missouri did last night and just pack the lane. I'm inclined to be <clears throat> cautiously optimistic at this point. I have no caution. You know, <laughs> I am recklessly optimistic. <laughs> you guys know that about me. We, uh, we put a lot of stock in Kiki Tandy coming back and adding a different dimension. And every game that seems like we're putting a lot more on a freshman yet to play his first D1 minute. Paul Scruggs isn't fully healthy. Jason Carter isn't fully healthy. Those guys combined to go 0 for 9 on looks that they're not going to go 0 for 9 on again. You throw in Demir Bishop and suddenly we're looking at an 0 for an 11 where one for 11, which is merely pathetic, gets us across the line in regulation. So, you know, you take what I'm sincerely hoping is one of our most pathetic offensive performances of the entire season, and we still translated it into a win against a team that has real aspirations of an at-large bid. So... It might have recalibrated what I think of our offense a little bit, but on the whole, I still think this is a, a team that should really realistically looking at being the better seed in their first game, maybe five, six, seven, maybe having a puncher's chance at the second weekend, depending on the draw.
Okay, so on um the the two major statistical services we've seen Xavier get a little bit of fluctuation since the beginning of the season. I think they've dropped a few spots on Ken Palm and they've raised a few spots on Bart Torvik's team rank. So Joel, can you kind of talk us through what we've seen there as far as uh the change in Xavier's statistical profile? Sure. So they're they're down four spots on Ken Palm. They're up a spot in the the T rank. These aren't big fluctuations. Just for comparison's sake, uh, UT San Antonio is down 58 spots in Ken Palm and 66 on the Bart Torvik after their scolding 0-4 start. They've lost to everybody that fate could throw at them. Don't do that, kids. But basically, Xavier's the, the same team that they were predicted to be at the start on the whole. Their efficiency margin is down less than a point on the Ken Palm. Their Pythagorean rank, which is how uh, Bart Torvik calculates it, is up four-tenths of a point. So insignificant differences. I think this is part of the the larger national reaction we're seeing to a moved three-point line. Generally, uh, efficiency margin has been at about 104-105 on the Ken Palm since the 2011-2012 season. A couple weeks into this year, it's holding at about 98. So we're, we're missing six points of adjusted efficiency every game. A three-point percentage is down two points to about 32.5%, but teams are still shooting about the same amount of threes as they have in years past. It's a, a steady, steadily increasing trend and this year hasn't been a meaningful departure from that. So, you know, is, is it okay to freak out because Xavier dropped four points or four places in the Ken Palm? I wouldn't lose sleep over it in November. With the, the new three-point line and how that's affecting play, we really, I don't think we know anything yet. Efficiency is down six points per 100 possessions. So, you know, the I talked about 10 kills was good. We don't know what seven kills is going to get you as far as your chances of winning a game. Seven kills might be the new five kills. We're seeing more stops because we're seeing fewer shots go in. Specifically, you dig a little deeper into Xavier's numbers. Our offensive efficiency is down 5.2 points on the, the Ken Palm. So every 100 possessions, we're scoring about five fewer points. But our defensive efficiency has improved by 4.3 points. So we're really locking teams down in a way that the projections didn't anticipate at the beginning of the year. What this means, I really can't tell you right off. It could be that this is who we are now. We have turned into that defensive team that we saw at the end of last year, and we're just going to go in and, and lock up teams and do just enough on offense to win. Maybe this is all tracking back towards some sort of some sort of median or norm that we don't know yet because – Conditions have changed with the new three-point line. It's not clear to me at all that teams have adjusted to the fact that they're garbage from behind the arc compared to where they were at this point a year ago. Everybody's shooting about the same number of threes, but 2% fewer of them are going in. That's not huge, but it's not meaningless either. And it's all playing into this decreased offensive efficiency we're seeing. I'm inclined to say Xavier's a little less affected by that because we are a, a post-oriented team that's currently like 224th in the nation and 
three-point rate, but it's been two weeks. We really don't know. I think December and on into conference play, we're going to see teams really looking at, okay, was this a blip while we adjusted to the new three-point line? Or is this something where the, the new reality is offense is a little less effective because long jumpers are worth fewer points, whether they're inside the new arc or they're not going in because they're behind the new arc. So all that to say, there's a lot of fluctuation all over the place in your favorite tempo-free ratings. And it's coming from teams trying to figure out who they are within the new circumstances of the new NCAA. Well, it puts my mind at ease a little because, you know, I see the drop in Xavier immediately, see who we've played, and then see how bad we look against the good team. And my natural inclination as I live from game to game is panic like oh my word we went well for 23 again and you know suddenly can't make a bucket but you know hearing that that's more on par I mean most teams are probably shooting more than 14.3 percent but more on par with what's happening nationwide is encouraging and like you said our defense has been excellent and Bry pointed out earlier Teams make 21% of their three-pointers against Missouri State. So that'll, you know, if we do that, our, our <laughs> numbers nice will go up. Lot. We got a chance to get healthy here. That's right. <laughs> You're not ready for this, paying Bears? <laughs> okay. Yeah, we could be looking at a 4 of 20, 5 of 25 situation there. And I don't think we can be stopped, stopped if we do that. No, goodness. <laughs> right. <Why not? laughs> Whew. Um, Missouri does turn it over Missouri state. Sorry. does turn it over. Like it's going out of style. So I'm hoping that, that we can create some transition from defense to offense and, you know, get healthy that way. But, okay. Um, so we'll go through a few last quick hits here before we, um, wrap it up. Um, obviously the big story from college basketball last night was Xavier beating Missouri, um, but also there was a game down the road at Rupp Arena where, um, I don't know if you guys knew this, the Kentucky Wildcats were ranked number one, and they lost to the Evansville Purple Aces, who, um, according to most metrics, are not very good. <laughs> so uh, do you guys have any screaming hot takes as far as um, Kentucky losing to Evansville goes. Obviously, I have one, but I wanted to see what you guys said first. I just well, like to I see did, bad things happen I to bad people. But uh, I'll tell you who didn't know that that happened, and that was some of our Twitter followers. <laughs> <laughs> There's no such thing as too unsubtle for the internet because your satirical tweet about an MVC team never being able to knock off a ranked opponent on the road went over like a lead frickin' balloon with some folks. Yeah, I didn't even try to defend it. <laughs> I was just like, you guys are right. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> we need like an asterisk or something. Like, here comes a joke. Yeah. I mean, the fact that I type it, you know, usually people see me and think joke, but I guess they can't see me when I'm typing tweets. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, the one thing to, to look at here, I think um, Kentucky has been disastrous from three this year. 24 no shame in that 24.5 uh which is good for 289th in the country and Sounds pretty good um, to me yeah well what i what i see here though is when when you shoot like that and you lose to the 136th 
best team in the country. Um, it kind of tells me that that they could not move on from plan A, uh, which was to, to chuck the ball the first time they, they saw the basket. Um, and so four of 17 from three, obviously that's not going to get it done. Um, but the main thing was they had Nate Sestina in the post. He only took three shots um, all night. Nick Richards was two for six. Uh, so they didn't really do a great job of pounding the ball to their big men. It, it seemed like when they abandoned the three a little bit, it was just guards driving instead of them actually trying to, to enter the ball in the post. Um, which brings me to my question. Is John Calipari a good coach? <laughs> I bet Big Blue Nation is just as rational as Providence Twitter. <laughs> Maybe we leave that one alone for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Except they they ruined that one ref's lumber business or whatever. So um, the other <laughs> thing to um, to look at in Xavier news is Dwan Odom officially signed his letter of intent today. Um, CJ Wilcher was also supposed to sign. I didn't see if he actually signed. And then uh, Colby Jones is signing tomorrow. So um, Xavier, once again, bringing in a a high level recruiting class. I saw the rankings today. I think Evan Daniels had them at ninth in the country right now. Uh, What would you guys look for out of these three? And what would you guys like to see Xavier add to this class before they arrive on, on campus in the fall, next fall? Uh Dewan Odom, he's built like a dorm refrigerator, but he can jump out of the building. I mean, he's just so strong and so bouncy. I know I've touched on this before, but I remember seeing Lionel Chalmers dunk in a game one time and thinking, wow, I guess Lionel Chalmers can dunk. We, just the advance and the athleticism that we've had in our point guards in that time is incredible, but I think this class is is what we're going to see coming in on on campus when it comes time for the the 2020 season to begin. Uh, I think Travis Steele might hold a a roster spot for a grad transfer if we decide to do that once this uh, senior class moves on. And of course, we lose uh, Bryce Moore and Leighton Strand with with you know time and. I'd be surprised to see us bring in another freshman. If we do, boy, I'd love to see somebody who can shoot. Wiltshire is supposed to be a big-time shot maker, but as we've illustrated so far, I don't think you can have too many guys who can knock down jumpers. I think the future is bright with our, our young post players, and we got some, some stud slashers. If we could have a couple guys who can uh, catch and cash out for three, that wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. Sounds good to me. I'm just, yeah, a shooter would be great. You know, you said you can never have too many. I would, one would be a great start. <laughs> well, and I think that's, that's obviously the calling card for CJ Wilcher um, is that, that he has all kinds of range. And obviously with Demir Bishop um, and Kiki Tandy in this class getting up to speed, hopefully we'll see more out of that sooner rather than later. Um, and the final thing, um, the people asked, and we're going to tell them, okay, nobody asked, but we're going to tell you anyway. If there isn't a college basketball game on at night, what are you watching? I mean, first of all, when's the next night there's not going to be a college basketball game on, right? It's probably going to be that Monday before 
the tournament starts, unless you're into the CIT. But say I have to have the TV on and you've taken away my sports. Right now, what I'm watching is the impeachment hearings. Beyond that, I'm going to hashtag stick to sports. But whether you're for it or against it, it's a thing that's happening and it's a pretty big deal. So I try to stay informed. I'm a thousand years behind on everything in pop culture. So I'm in like the third season of elementary. That's the only TV show I'm watching. Wow. Well, after that, I'm going to seem really shallow, but based on a, a couple of recommendations I got, I've been watching Letter Kenny on Hulu. <laughs> and a boy. And <laughs> never go wrong um, by finding like some quirky British show to watch. Orphan Black was excellent and it just wrapped up. And But I mean, after impeachment hearings, this is all just making me sound like yeah. I sit there with you know, some chips propped on my stomach and a natty light cracked open. Right. <laughs> Be like, oh, back there, you're still going. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so you're short. I don't know if we've touched on that. We yet. go, Brad. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, usually I just watch, you know, the prime years of my life go by each night. <laughs> wow. Way to really end us that on must a, be uh, uplifting note. Yeah, I was trying to be more somber than Joel. So, no, I think I got it. <laughs> I think I nailed it. So, Xavier's back in action this week. Um, on Friday night, they will play host to the Missouri State Bears. Uh, Missouri State has former Xavier recruit Jared Ritter. Uh, he's missed the last two games with an ankle injury. Uh, but Missouri State comes in 2-1. and one. They lost to... Arkansas Little Rock before beating Alabama State and Cleveland State, who are both outside the Ken Palm Top 300. So they will come to town on Friday, and then Xavier will have um, almost a week off before um, before they go to the the Charleston, the first game of the Charleston Inv- Invitational to play Towson. So um, we will have one game to cover with you guys next week. That will be the Missouri state game. Hopefully we'll be talking about Xavier being four and O. So if you would like to ask us questions, we will try to remember to possibly tweet out before we record. Um, yeah, that was pretty noncommittal, but um, I'm not good at remembering stuff. So we'll, we'll try and open it up for a few more questions from you guys, our listeners, um, whoever you may be. <laughs> And um, we hope that uh, you enjoy it and uh, we, you will hear from us next week. So after we finished recording, it was confirmed that CJ Wilcher and Colby Jones joined Dwan Odom to complete Xavier's 2020 recruiting class. Both Wilcher and Odom are ranked in the top 100 by ESPN and the entire class is ranked either in or very near the top 10 by most major scouting services. With both Wilcher and Odom in the top 100, Jones lingers somewhere just outside of there as a three-and-a-half or four-star prospect, depending on who you ask. He's tall with an Aji Marshall-type body in a game that will hopefully grow into it and can play somewhere between the one and the three, according to Coach Travis Steele. We have coverage of all of the signings on our website, Banners on the Parkway, right now. Thank you for joining us on Banner on the Parkway. This week, we'll be back again with the dispatches on Sunday or Monday. Have a great weekend.